0: so to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promo for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Welcome back to the Lantern Rouge Cycling Podcast presented by Zwift for a Saturday, a super Saturday double header of Torino Adriatico and paris We had the big mountaintop finish in paris which... Tactically, there isn't too much to talk about. We're going to do mm-hmm. Torreno-Adriatico first, where it was a Muro Classics. It was like the Castel Fidardo stage minus the bad weather in Italy. We're going to start with that one first. To remind you of the GC standings going into that stage, we have the top 10 separated by 31 seconds and the top 17 separated by a minute. Roglic, four seconds ahead of Camner after winning the stage yesterday. Almeida on 12, McNulty on 17 for UAE, then Kelderman on 19, Gagenhard on 19, of hindley 21-22, then Chikone and Mass a bit further back. So many teams with many cards to play on a stage that had innumerable climbs, 196Ks from Osimo Stazione to Osimo. We had a have a sort of climb that was actually quite oh. steep in parts. They did three reps of that, I think, and then an uphill finish. Really, really hard stage, Benji.
1: Yeah, a brutal stage, and those three reps of those climbs were intriguing because the parkour also started with a small uphill section. So I was thinking maybe satellite riders in the breakaway, then the GC riders could launch on the third last or the second last of that Moodle, the uh, whatever it's called, the Cobbled Climb. I'll, I'll call it the Cobbled Climb, it's way too Italian for my taste, <laughs> because uh, I can't pronounce it. Now... GC riders could launch there. Would that happen? Would satellite riders be in the breakaway? Well, the answer is there for you. Will satellite riders be in the break? We saw some riders in the break that were satellite riders, as in Nikias Andros in there, and I instantly thought he's not good enough to get over these cobbles to win the stage, so he's there with a reason. Bahrain have multiple riders in GC, which is a Butrago who is on a bit more time, a Landa's up there, a Caruso's up there, so those are their chances to attack early. So that's an option. Simmons is up there. Will he be a satellite rider or go for the stage? We don't know yet. Ciccone could actually attack. But will they? Because they don't have multiple leaders. So that I didn't come in, see coming into play that much. Kasper Pedersen, per- potentially for Alaphilippe. You never know. Vermeer is potentially for Vanderpool. You never know. But outside of that, just breakaway riders like Turnis and Zimmerman, De Marquis, Russo, Nylands, Bice. Not the Bice brothers. Only one this time. So one fell off the wagon, apparently. Jumbo, Visma, controlling the peloton basically 2.30 to 3 minutes behind, so the regular thing here. We've spoken about this a few times before. What do you think when it comes to controlling the peloton? If a break like that is ahead, is it useful for Jumbo Visma to keep it at 2 minutes, 33 minutes if everybody's on 25 minutes, but with satellite riders?
0: I mean, if you have the GC leader like Roglic on this finish, then if you're both trying to defend GC and realistically, he can win this stage as well yeah. against showing what he's shown in Tortoretto. And yesterday, the other GC guys do not have his sprint. So you have two, and also we have to think about the history of Roglic here. We'll start to introduce that story. The last <laughs> hard stages of stage races, it's been hit and miss. Criterium de Dauphine 2020, uh, Paris Stage 8 last year, Paris in 2021, Tour de France. So all in France. All in France. Um, yeah, I'd have to go back for other stages, but I'm just saying <laughs> you you probably want a l- the lowest stress stage possible. And if you all come together with the GC riders in a big group or, you know, a 40 man group or 30 man group or whoever many men at the base of the final climb, you know, he's going to do the business and Cam is certainly not going to take time on him yeah. uh, on this sort of finish. So that's, Sort of how to approach it so yeah my long answer benji is there's no real harm giving the break <laughs> eight minutes like they're all yeah. all these guys in the break are on 25 minutes on gc so keep you want to keep your team as long as possible deep into the race together
1: i agree firmly agree with that now for the rest of the race nothing happened until we got to that circuit section we spoke about the circuit with the cobble climb there's two and a half of those circuits the first two I was expecting early moves on, and we saw that on the first one directly. The breakaway started falling apart. The second day hit that Muro di Costa del Borgo. See, I, I trained it you in between it. not being able to pronounce it at the start <laughs> of the episode, and now I'm Italian now. Love it. Anyway, that climb, the gap is two minutes, breakaway is falling apart. The peloton rode wide. And if no team is preparing anything at that point, I wasn't really expecting a move because you would expect the team to make it hard before they make the attack. But maybe Bahrain was trying to play on the surprise because they attacked out of the blue with Butrago at one side of the road. I think one of the DSM riders, whether it was Leknesund or someone else, tried to respond to that, a Bora rider as well, but they couldn't get to his wheel and they weren't pacing hard enough to even get to his wheel. So Butrago went on a solo adventure from that point point. Then the peloton kind of closed down again, all in one row again. But at a decent pace so that, Butrago wouldn't have like two minutes. He was gaining 10 seconds, 20 seconds, had 30 seconds for a tiny bit. And then started dropping back to 20 seconds again. But as I said at the start of the episode, Nikas Arndt is up the road. He's in the breakaway. But in this circuit, you've got the Cobble Climb. You've got a small downhill. You've got a small climb after that. And then it starts going into a bit of a valley. And it seems that Bahrain waited for a while to pull Arndt back. Because I was thinking, they're not pulling him back right now. Maybe that's because that hill is coming. That second hill after the Cobble Climb. And then they dri- didn't drop Arndt back on top of that second climb. And I was like, why are they waiting even longer? And it took them a few more kilometers in the valley for Arndt to drop back. Would you have expected him to just stand at the second top of that climb, waiting for Butrago there? Because every second you lose, is seconds that Butrago's losing time on the peloton again, it? Eh?
0: It seemed like a miscommunication to me um, because, yeah, like, Arnt's not winning the stage. Say that break goes all the way. He's not beating Simmons on this sort of finish. And well, maybe I'm underrating him a little bit, but it seemed to me he wasn't that happy to Yeah. It seemed to me he wasn't that happy to drop back. And that meant Santi was pushing a lot of wind and it kind of neutralized his move. And he's on 120 in GC. So Yumbo again, okay, when a guy attacks, you now have to control a little bit closer, who's on 120. Um, but before we get into where it really kicked off. You'll see you've seen yesterday with the stage cancelled in Paris-Nice in the Ineos Grenadiers and Jumbo Visma hopping on Zwift yeah. to get that extra training in to turn the legs over. There's no better trainer to do it on than the Zwift hub for $4.99. It's the class leader, not just in its price bracket, but across the whole uh, trainer industry built for your bike, pre-installed with the cassette to match your bike it's raining here. I'll be hopping on straight after, onto Zwift, after we've finished this podcast recording. So thanks, to Zwift, as always, for supporting the show. But who was pacing at this point, Benji? It was Bowman and Valter, or Bowman first, right?
1: I feel like we didn't really see much from Von Barla because he was actually DNFing halfway to stage. I don't know if it was after that first climb or not. Bauman was pacing, but I felt like it was fast going towards Valter. I didn't see Bauman for many kilometers at the front necessarily, but important to note Arndt did end up waiting after a tiny bit on Butrago. Whether we're nitpicking that or not, I think he waited a bit too long to drop. I don't necessarily see that as Arndt's fault, but as a team management fault, as in from the team car, they should have set a place directly where he should have stopped and not a few kilometers later, because they did lose time with Butrago there. Wasn't completely neutralized, because Arn ended up waiting, and they started gaining time on the peloton again. And they they did that going into the second last of that circuit. Arndt and Butrago reaching the breakaway, so they were twenty seconds. Butrago was twenty seconds ahead of the peloton. Arn drops back, and they gain it back to fifty seconds because they're in the breakaway now. The gap fifty seconds on the peloton. But then something weird happens, and I have no clue what happened. But we suddenly look back, and Butrago dropped. I don't know if it's mechanical. I don't know, but aren't probably had the uh, insert here we go again meme from gta san andreas because he had to drop back to, to he, was, he was unhappy
0: he was waving yeah. at putraga he was visibly unhappy this time so that kind of feeds into the narrative that we've created that maybe he wasn't too keen yeah. to drop back the first time because he was visibly displeased
1: yeah well the thing is also, a bit earlier I did see like Butrago being on a gap and not being with the group with Arden anymore because of group dynamics playing around. So maybe that frustrates Arden because he's trying to just get this gap up open as much as possible and Butrago's not in his wheel and so forth. But anyway, we're getting towards the next Muro di Costa del Borgo and Jambo Visma does basically what they did in Paranese stage 8 last year and I'll let you discuss it in a bit. But Walter starts pacing. Does this work? Benoit starts pacing halfway to climb roughly not not yet halfway to climb a bit earlier and then while Van Aert takes over i'll let you talk about it from there
0: well there's pacing in this pacing isn't there not all pacing is create e- created equally some pacing is very hard some pacing's controlling some pacing rips apart the whole group and when volta was pacing it wasn't but then when wow van art takes over it's like on Cote in paranese last year he is, this is, by the way, this is with like 40 kilometers to go. This is the second circuit. We have a lot of hilly difficult terrain and some flat afterwards for Jumbo Visma to control. And Roglic is obviously feeling good because the words come in for Van to pace as hard as possible. And it's creating gaps. Like, people are getting dropped. Uh, I think Aronsman maybe, Benote is put on a gap. Kelderman's there but slipping back. Roglic is looking good though. But... Well, which also looked good on Cote Pay. Now the difference is the weather here is quite mild, nice weather, it was rainy and very different in Paradise last year, but still, you are no one's attacked yet of the serious GC guys. Now, yeah. if on the climb Bora start to throw some guys up there, McNulty goes, Yates goes, Almeida goes because the pace is too low, then you do need to probably have a different strategy of being like alright, let's see about that push hard so you can neutralize it. But we hadn't had that. This was Yumbo deciding to actively do this and the end result was, because it didn't attack, you just drop Volta and Benoit. Yep, exactly.
1: I do want to mention, for context Scott pay you're referencing stage 8 of Pyrenees last year where I also did this eh? But the group was indeed thinning out, and we're looking at a group of Vanard, Roglic, Landa, Yates, Kelderman, Ciccone, Woutz, Coffee Vlazov, Hart, Chemna, and Almeida going over the top. But groups tend to come closer, eh? And just to highlight the risk that you're mentioning here is that Wout, Vanard, and Roglic are now solo or duo in a group with so many multi-leader strategies with other teams. Other teams with multiple leaders that could actually roll attacks on Vanard and Roglic now. So that's the risk here if Wout Benoit keeps pacing at the top, which he kept doing, they're setting up Roglic to be counter left behind. and right. Exactly. And that's a dangerous thing. Now, then some weird situations start is happening. Like, first of all, Anton Marche rider right? goes out the front, and Wout attacks with him. while Venat's catching to... back. <laughs> well, Sorry. he might not know that at that point. That's like the, the one thing where I'm like, meh. But... Why is Wout attacking with the Anthemarche rider and leaving Roglic alone in the second group?
0: I don't know. It it doesn't make yeah I don't know I don't know um like doesn't make any sense. And then Vlasov attacks Roglic is closing him in the wind and like everyone at the end of the day you'll get get to the end of this recap you're like what did it matter? And I guess the the thing is. If Roglic is just a little bit off, which, by the way, if his preparation wasn't perfect, he was a late addition to this race, you're putting him under a huge amount of pressure before the climb and making this stage a lot more difficult. So, yeah, I mean, at that moment, you just have Benoit come back, you have Benoit and Wout pull on the flat, pull steady and neutralize the race. Um what they couldn't expect, which was Keldman um, yeah. crashing. He looked over his left shoulder, drifted a bit right. Mike Woods cut across him, chopped him. So that did take Keldman out. So that put them in a more difficult situation afterwards than could have been initially anticipated. They Otherwise, they would have had three in the group with Roglic, with Keldman, with Van Aert. That's still fine to control, yeah. even though you should let note come back, I think. Um, but I he does argue- crash, so you have to adapt.
1: Exactly, that's the thing. That's exactly what I was going to say. The second that Calderon crashes, Wout keeps pacing still. And they don't adapt there. They don't adapt their strategy there. And then I'm like, ooh, there's a bit of danger here. Now, if Wout doesn't do anything there, doesn't pace at all, then we're probably going to see people rolling attacks on them. But that's kind of their fault because that's a situation they created. But anyway, we go further. Benoit actually returns. So that's a big solve thing. By the way, there was like a cutout of the broadcast before ben was back, and I was like terrified we might not see a single second of the stage again. And yeah. it was really sad, but fortunately it got back to us, and uh, we could happily watch the stage again. Anyway, attacks are coming. I was like, oh, that's not No, it's Guillaume Martin because apparently they look exactly <laughs> alike. Is it they just do. me?
0: They do look similar, <laughs> yeah. And Rochas, but he's a little bit smaller.
1: Vlazov <laughs> with him. An active Bora in that sense. So On we've seen attacks seconds. from Bahrain. Before with Butrago. We've seen a move now with Vlazov relatively early in the race as well. So, those two teams are actually doing stuff early, which I, I appreciate that. I was expecting Bora to do more earlier, but hey, it's better than nothing to move here with Vlazov and two Movistar domestiques Verona and the legend himself, the mythical man, the best puncher in the world that
0: the is just puncher in the world.
1: not having much <laughs> luck on punchy stage. That's why you don't see him often. But Aramburu was there as well. And I thought, this is the moment. Aramburu is going to rise to power? He's going to take minutes and take GC, but that didn't really happen because once they got a solid 29 seconds, Benoit was pacing, wasn't taking much of a gap. Bernard, pacing, wasn't taking much back of the gap. And then UAE comes to the front with Formolo, and starts technically helping Jambo Visma, but they're doing that because Vlazov is endangering the top three and top four positions of McNulty and Almeida. What do you think about a move like that?
0: UAE missed out badly, badly here. And Ineos, I mean, you their only GC leader and Pidcock and Aronsman and Sheffield, they've already dropped before. That's different. Gagin I... But A, he's quite good for the finish, Gagin And B, yeah. he is their sole leader. So I'm not going to critique Ineos for not countering um, with anybody. Maybe they yeah. could have, maybe they couldn't have. UAE, though, Yates, McNulty, Almeida you've got to be in the move. Because yep. you should already, without Bora doing it, you should be initiating here and trying to, okay, Wout's been sitting in. Let's see what he does. He Let's let's try and put Jumbo under pressure. Force them to make mistakes. Force Roglic to close again. Let's create more of a chaotic situation, especially on the flat here. And they bailed Jumbo out completely. Like, we've been you know critiquing how jumbo approached this stage a little bit but to be honest it's nothing compared to what uae did in the final here and you could say devil's advocate for jumbo well they knew and we do know pional every stage race at the end you think it's going to be chaotic you think teams are gonna uh, gonna struggle to defend and then when attacks come 99 percent of the time fourth fifth sixth 16th yeah. on gc will blink, and they'll stop pacing.
1: Exactly. Now, the thing with this is, when Formula started pacing, the mistake was earlier, I think, was not being in the move like you mentioned. When Formula started pacing, I would argue that I don't necessarily mind them pacing as much as it is bad for the quality of the race. It sucks for us as viewers that it, they start pacing, but at that point, they're put into a position where they want to defend their podium. They're, nah, they're running for tur- the podium at tur- that tur- point. At that point already or waiting for the climb, Attack climb. climb.
0: on the flat with mcnulty and almeida or I rolling s- hill
1: i do agree i do agree because rolling attacks is the way to go with those but the problem is we all know it eh the gc team of of uae is sent to this range with a free-for-all squad where almeida where McNulty and where Yates are basically riding for themselves. I will, however, say that Yates did work a bit for Almeida at some well, point. No, that's what's later. got
0: weird. I'm talking about the flat section and where there's yeah. countering. What was weird is, so this, this situation continues for extremely strong. He's always brilliant <laughs> on these circuit Italian stages. And he was really good. He kept the gap between 18 and 27 seconds. Ineos, Blink, they then start pacing, I think, for Gagenhardt GC. I don't think for Pidcock. Sheffield yep. was pacing. But this is where what Benji mentioned. UAE go from none of those three riders' co-leaders were countering. And then none of them start attacking. They all start, well, Yates and Almeida at least, pacing on a little uphill before the Pave section, bringing back the Vlasov group with, with people in the wheels. They weren't really attacking, they were pacing. I didn't really... I, I I, didn't know why they did that, frankly. Yeah,
1: I think so as well. I, feel, I firmly agree with that. They should have rolled attacks. Like, when it comes to the pacing, Formula Bails out Jambo Visma, and Inial stays behind a bit with their four riders. And we're starting to get closer to that next climb, eh? The last Muro di de Costa del Borgo, because we're in the final circuit. There's a weird moment there where Formula... Half base, half attacks, because Roglic kind of says, "I don't need to follow Formolo's wheel or something." Oh, he and dropped Ajde his chain. And closes
0: it. Yeah. Oh, he did. Okay, he dropped his chain. Roglic went to push him. He got the chain oh. back on. Roglic just swung off. Formolo pedaled again, and then Roglic let the wheel go. It was really odd. I oh. yeah, it was a bit. It was just a <laughs> bit weird. Roglic looked good though. So this is the thing. Yeah. All we've spoken about really today. Is immaterial because you see Roglic on these steep slopes. He's doing it so easy. He's gapping people without trying. He's following Formalo without trying. Uh, whilst Formalo did, he he kind of. I don't know if he bailed Yumbo out because, to be honest, if Wout just gets on the front and starts pulling on the flat, he's fine. It's really yeah. I. I'm not sure how much Wout could have helped in the last six k's when it starts yeah. to go uphill again.
1: Yeah, I think so as well. Now. I do want to mention, you, you're talking about Roglic is dropping everybody and so forth, and it's putting gaps on everybody, but there's still a legend up front. Alex Aramburu is still ahead. He's He's got 14 seconds together with um with Vlazov and the other guy that was with Verona. him, Gilmartin. Verona was dropping at the start of the climb, because Verona has worked a lot to keep this yeah, break going for Aramburu. So Buddy worked by Verona top-notch, like you mentioned. Now, um, Yates and Almeida, I don't know what was happening. Like... The second group is coming back. The GC group is coming back. Aramburu says, oh, "I'll let the others have an opportunity to take the stage," and we see Yates and Almeida riding next to each other at the front of the peloton. And I think that's because Yates was probably before we saw that shot, facing or keeping Almeida in the front because I think Yates actually contributed to Almeida on this climb because Yates I is first so. in GC. I still think that one of the three should have rolled attacks instead of doing that stuff. McNulty, I didn't know where he was, somewhere in the group, and that's when it kind of gets weird, eh? Because the attackers get caught, and it starts going off. Because GCY the think this is the moment we start attacking. We're getting onto the sleep, sto- the sleep stops the steep slopes, <laughs> over the climb, and there he goes, free Landa with a pacing melmeda
0: Brilliant, Landa attacking, Carthy off after him. There's like these poles in the road that separate where the footpath is. Lander's weaving in and out of them. And Robert starts to try and get his draft. I'm like, no, don't do that. No, this is how it ends. I like, do not just ride in the middle of the road. Because Lander's ducking in and out really late. I'm like, he's going to crash him. He's going to ride into one of these poles. He didn't. Man, um, Almeda, it was so risky.
1: On the opposite side of the road. Yeah, they the crashed
0: spectator. <laughs>
1: He's like literally on the long way around in like the the gutter on the other side of the road. Every long corner Almeida's like having to do extra meters to follow these guys. The tempo's insane because Landa keeps on going and at a certain point I was thinking he's actually really bloody strong here and Almeida as well on the other side. Did you believe that they could put a a dent into Roglic here?
0: No, 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 no. Once they got to the actual steep section and at that point seeing... Because you can tell with Roglic a little bit like... When, as I said, when Formula... When he was pushing Formula with the chain off and he was just like literally nose breathing, I was like, okay, really it doesn't matter what the tactics are today. When you got diamonds, you got diamonds and it doesn't matter. And as long as he gets to the base with the other GC guys with 5Ks to go, this is a wrap. So no. I did think though, second, third, fourth, fifth is really up for grabs here in GC. And that's where Lander looks good. He's pacing. That's fine. He attacks... He then stops on the descent, and Almeida takes over on the descent, but he's got Yates and McNulty off the back. He's got Roglic, huge, uh, Enrique Mas in his group, other GC contenders, and he's pacing, and maybe Gagan Hart, he catches back up too. He was caught a little bit by surprise, I think, by Roglic's move. There's a descent, and then they're going to go into the final kicker. Almeida takes all the responsibility for pacing, Benji. (laughs) Well...
1: Is it is it basing or is it Almeida attacking in Almeida's way? I know,
0: yeah. I mean, exactly. <laughs> it's not he's not pacing. He is going hard. He's pushing really hard, but draft yeah. still matters. Of course. Like, <laughs> um, and he's got two teammates on GC <laughs> behind. Like he you know Yates is not far behind. He's in group 2 behind with like O'Connor, Wouts in, in another group behind. Uh he dropped earlier Ala Philippe not there, Pidcock not there. So yeah, I mean, could Almeida have won this stage? I actually think he could have. When yeah. you see how he finished, yeah. it, the way he approached the final K or K and a half, um, I don't know, he put himself under a lot of pressure. Is Almeida the climbing version of
1: Declercq, That he Kinda, can't go yeah. over a certain amount of wattage. But he could, at quick step, he could sprint.
0: Yeah, that's true. That's true. And it's he intriguing. finished really strongly. I don't know. Maybe, I think, no... Nah, <laughs> I think him winning this stage is difficult because it's a very technical finish. There's flat bits, there's ups and downs, there's corners. Roglic bursts with about 900 meters to go. He just wants to be first through a few few of the corners. He does exactly the same thing that he did on um, Tortoreto. He bursts, he stops,
1: he waits for...
0: Who, who, yeah, was it Enrique Mas who took the bait? Yeah, I'm
1: not sure he took completely the bait. I feel like he, he went in front of Roglic... Yeah, and then nearly went to the right, and then it was like next to the barriers, and it was a bit, <laughs> ee, but nah, I don't no, think no. it was anything sketchy.
0: Eric's allowed. he's Enric's allowed
1: too. to do any, every, anything. Like if yep. he buries everybody, yeah, better. We want to see him win. Anyway, <laughs> <laughs> um, at that point, uh, let's be honest about it. There was only one winner on the road. Yeah. Yeah?
0: Mass does his best, but Roglic does the same thing. Pulls off, they lead him out. Gagin in third wheel, and um, Rolich does the business, winning the sprint. Gagan Hart finished well, but he was yep. the, the concertina domino effect of Mass moving to the right, pushed Roglic to the right, which pushed Gagan Hart to the right. He was overlapped. He had to break, and he lost about five bike lengths. That ruined his chance at the stage, but Gagin on these punchy finishes has been really good all year so far and throughout a lot of his career. And Rolich does the business. Once again, so it doesn't sound when you read the results you think it sound it looks like a pretty straightforward uh stage, but I thought it was quite exciting. We did have some Mike Woods erasure. We forgot Mike Woods <laughs> attacked and then Roberts closed him down. So I Woods forgot he was in this race shot. until that uh, moment. Yeah, I thought it was <laughs> Nalen's attacking or someone. Um, <laughs> but he retired. Not nah, that's too much. That's too much. <laughs> um Anyway, he attacked and kind of spiced stuff up a little bit. Chikani was also there. Anyway, results. Roglic wins ahead of Gegenhard, Almeida, Mas, Lander, all on the same time. Chikani on three seconds. Uh, Hugh, unfortunately, Hugh Carthy, he always, he bites the bait a little bit. He pulled back Woods with the others in his wheel. He finishes a good result for him, still seventh on nine seconds with Woods. Pidcock actually ninth. He beats Fan up. And they're in the group with Yates, Cam- Kamner, and uh, Pino on 20 seconds.
1: Could Bitcock have been an early move together with the Vlazov group for Enios for a stage? I think he still. was dropped like in trouble ah, okay. before then. I don't know. Didn't see. Uh,
0: yeah, I don't know. The, the coverage was literally cutting out at that yeah. point so, on a circuit in sunny conditions. Yeah. <laughs> that, yeah, that's
1: true. When it comes to this, though, the conclusions when it comes to tactics are is Visma gets the best out of this despite having a tactic that made it harder for them to
0: actually get the situation they put themselves in a position where if other teams really cooperated and burned some riders it could have been very very difficult for Roglic to control yeah now that's also with Keldman crashing but still they I would have yeah you probably do Benote Walter on that Second circuit climb, and then you can wind it up a little bit, running into the finish. But it, that's yeah. not how it worked out. Um, and Roglic wins three stages in a row, yeah.
1: so they won't be complaining. No. But they didn't learn from Pyrenees; they might learn from this. I don't know, but a third time around, this could bite them in the ass. So that's why it's important to still note this, despite them getting the best out of the stage, regardless. When it comes to UAE, I don't think this will ever be solved in one-week races. I think they're just free-for-all, this is the Hunger Games, and Almeida kept pacing because he knew that McNulty. And he, he moved up to second. That's my theory.
0: <laughs> Almeida <laughs> moved up to second on GC.
1: Yeah. So he's going to so... be, be happy with it, I guess, but I think there was more in it when it comes to... I, I'm not sure there was more in it when it comes to the actual result that they have, but they could have tried more, eh? Come on.
0: Yeah, I think where you see McNulty finishing on fifty uh, seconds. Fifty seconds and Yates on twenty seconds, you know. That's the thing. Yates finishing on twenty seconds, okay, he's gonna finish where on GC, um, not even in the top ten, but he's ridden close enough that he's conserved energy obviously to finish where he's finished on twenty seconds. Yeah. It's really not done too much. But yeah, G C going into the stage tomorrow. Is Roglic leading by 18 seconds? Very comfortable before the sprint stage. Gegenhard in third. very. He's moved up three positions. Kamner drops uh, two positions down to fourth. He actually was the strongest Bora rider, was he yep. not today? Uh, Kamner, Hindley, and Vla- oh, Vlasov. No, yeah. Credit to Bora. Credit yeah. to Bora. They tried with Vlasov, uh, but well, Hindley dropped today. Two with Butrago,
1: technically. So, sort of. Sort so of. <laughs> I would have enjoyed uh, seeing Borago go earlier as well with someone, but maybe that's a bit of overkill.
0: They didn't have Wilco, like last yeah. year. Uh, Ciccone in fifth on 37 seconds, Mass in sixth on 41, and then other people throughout the top 10. Tomorrow's stage is the San Benedetto del Tronto stage. It is Hilly at the start, which should let a decent break form. Actually, really quite difficult, but... Mm-hmm. People really haven't taken it upon themselves to make the make use of the parkour here in Torreno in some of these break possible stages. 155k should be a sprint. Uh, This is Bauhaus, right? Have (laughs) to Bauhaus. (laughs)
1: Have to. This is the chaos (laughs) staging. Last year, Bauhaus won in this finish. The year before, there was a time trial here. Were there other sprint stage in the same position? It looks like it's always been a time trial before that in the yeah, other years, they did, so...
0: Yeah, they did Lido de Camiore as the sprint stage yeah. on stage one in previous years, when Ewan beat Wout um, in 21, I think. So we yep. have to go with Bauhaus. It's the law. Well, Messy technical sprint at the end of a one-week?
1: <laughs> okay, I'll do it. Fuck it. <laughs> <laughs> if, he's,
0: if he's still here, I think. I, hope, <laughs> yeah. um,
1: I have actually no clue. <laughs> we'll see. If Otherwise, he'll come back. Nah, just I'm for rescinding stage. my
0: pick. I think Van Art wins. Really? I think Van Art wins. Oh, get I the fuck out of here. It. He's going to go
1: He's going to go for it, but Jasper Phillipson wins. Fuck
0: it. I'm also rescinding my pick. Sorry, Bauhaus. you're jumping Yeah, ditch. sorry, Phil. It was fun while it lasted. <laughs> um, poor guy. Anyway, that was Toronto Adriatico. Lots of interesting tactics to talk about. Listen, maybe the writers we said should have been doing this, should have been doing that. They couldn't at that moment. Possible. But I don't know um sometimes well no it is a rule that teams generally speaking will not throw away a third a fourth a fifth for a small percentage chance of something better um by taking a high risk strategy that's generally how it works teams are a little bit more conservative yeah i think (laughs) i think sometimes you because it listen it's a long season if you are a bit there's enough results and races to even it out. Whereas if you do do things that make you 10% more likely to do this, well, if you do it 10 times or 20 times or 30 times, eventually it is going to work out for you. So anyway.
1: For example, would you say that the Granol stage was taking a proper risk as Jumbo Visma going so early in the stage?
0: Oh, yeah. On Galibia, I thought she was going to drop everybody. (laughs) (laughs) I was shitting myself. I didn't say it at the time in the pod. (laughs) Of course, I had to do the big, big, victory, big victory lap afterwards, but I'm glad myself.
1: <laughs> Everybody's flattered Yeah.
0: <laughs> when Pog was, when I was sprinting in the flatter section and Pog was closing everything down, I was like, fuck. <laughs> <laughs> Burning Rollers GC in Pog. Um, thanks, Micah, for pacing Grenon. I guess. <laughs> Cheers. <laughs> that was sweet. Um but yeah, I mean, that's the thing. You watch the race, This is why I couldn't be, couldn't be a DS. Watching the race, I, I just get too reactive and emotional. Um, it hit 17
1: riders if you were to drive in the car.
0: I wouldn't drive the car. Um, <laughs> that's why it's so much easier having a podcast when you can pretend to be a genius after it's all finished. Um, <laughs> that's why you think we do this. <laughs> anyway, that was Toronto Adriatico. We've got some more armchair DSing coming now at Paris-Nice. Uh, well, not so much, to be honest. It was the mountaintop finish up Col de la Cuyol. They had a Cote de Tourette du Chateau before. That's French for you, Benji. Cat won 18 kegs, 5%, then flattens off. We're around north of Nice here. Many riders know these roads. The final climb is 16 kilometers at about, not about, at 7.5%, <laughs> and it is steady, bang on, like, 7 to 8%, but mostly just bang on 7% the whole time. Decent road surface, quite wide. And we had Headwind on the climb as well. And who's in the break? Roba Holsens?
1: Romo? Uh, Yes, those two riders were definitely in the break. And that's about the only two riders I remember from the breakaway. Calfagnan was in the break. De La Cruz, that's important, actually. True. Because those two riders were on three minutes in GC. And... GC Cavagnal, let's be honest about it, it's on. No, 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 it, it
0: isn't. Yeah, uh, he's climbing, though, it does look a lot better.
1: Yeah, we discussed it. He's going to be a future domestique yeah. next year in the Tour de France for Remco B-Tech version of Azegrin, it's happening. Anyway, that made sure that UAE was pacing. They kept the break on roughly four minutes. And uh, as a consequence, looks like the Peloton was going to win it. If it's four minutes, then yeah. the last climb will not be enough. And then UAE wasn't the last team pacing before we entered the climb because with 40k to go in started pacing with martinez in last wheel there why
0: was in last wheel yeah i gotta admit i'm gonna confession to everyone don't no one repeat this podcast listeners just for you all i was up in the mountains just i had it in my head headphones um <laughs> i was trying to, i got really stressed last night over nothing and I just went I had to go for a walk, but um that's not good that they did that. Vultures? Benji. No vultures. I've been looking, I seriously I go every day two hours and I can't find the vultures at the moment. Now it's still I think technically winter, so they might be in Africa and they'll come back later. But um yeah, I am on the lookout for them, but they're not here. Uh Ineos do do this though, when there's a technical run into it and I I don't mind it so much, especially when Jumbo did the same here as well. If you don't have the team to help on the climb and you've got strong rulers, well, at least they can keep your guys in good position into the base of the climb. Now, that kind of falls down if the GC guys at the back uh, and it also falls down if you start pacing the base really hard and then stop and your GC leader didn't want you to do that. But generally speaking, keeping your GC guys in good position into the base of the climb, entering as close as possible, it saves them a few watts. It really does, here or there. What I found the weirdest part is
1: that they did this so early, though. With 40k to go, that means that they're yeah. doing it on the roly climb, which is still before the final climb. That small little thing with the intermediate sprint so on it and so forth. Now, I didn't really see the value in it too much. You're right, maybe sitting at the front might help them with positioning, but it was too hard to be just that. They were actually spending domestiques, and at a certain point, Martinez was the second rider in the row with Sivakov sitting a bit further in the group as well. Now, we're looking at 25k to go now, still 10 kilometers before the climb. Yamovizma starts pacing, helping out Ineos. So, Yoi is now the team that hasn't had to pace for 20 kilometers. still saving riders, even though they were going to get isolated relatively quickly afterwards because they didn't have the best day when it comes to their teammates for Pogacar. Then a crash happens at the back. Skjelmoze crashes, abandons. That Christoph sucks. also included, but it sucks for Skelmos because he's had a good, a good season, right? Yeah.
0: Well, and, and, you know, Mads Pedersen, Julian Bernard, who are, is a very, very good domestique for Trek-Segafredo. You know, they invested a lot, not just in Pedersen, who did win a stage yeah. here, but keeping Skelmos in GC. And I, one of the reasons I really like Pedersen as a, as a rider is he is such a good domestique when he is on for GC guys. Um, yep. And it was just a real shame to see that before the big mountaintop test. I wanted to also see the watts he could do on a long climb. So that sucked after he's been very, very good in a lot of the French tune-up races like Bessage and Up maritima Duvar. Josh Tarling also, I believe crashed yep. earlier, which was a shame he abandoned. He went to get scans, I think um, I was supposed to catch up with him on Monday actually. So um, hopefully he's okay. The young Ineas rider who's been very, very impressive, so far this season. So I guess that could be the counter Benji why Yumbo and Ineos are at the front. Uh, in what sense? To keep people safe, quote unquote.
1: Potentially. Could potentially be the reason. It felt more like they were trying to get something out of the stage to me personally, but yeah. it's also not the only people that didn't. There were a few people that didn't start the stage, by the way. The De lead decided to skip the start of the stage because he smart. wanted to focus on the classics, which is smart. Pedersen didn't start, so maybe that's the reason that Skelm was a crash, because Peterson couldn't MSR. position him. Also, but it was because he had, like, flu-like things or something. Oh, really? Says, or colds. A cold, was it was. But maybe he just has the colds in advance of MSR on purpose. You never know that. That being said, 15.5 kilometers to go. Shit's about to go down. Kholsens drops everybody in the break except Romo, who comes back after that attack. They've got two guys up front, but these guys are not going to make it, so let's forget about them. Let's go towards the peloton. And Grupama's doing a bit of pacing at the bottom. I think it's the lead-in towards the climb. I think it's like the first 500 meters where Grupama sets up a bit of a pace and then Foss takes over. So Foss is taking over from 15k to go and then it begins, eh? The Foss
0: train is on. Big Foss pull. And you'll remember David Gudu is on six seconds behind Pogaccia, Vingegaard on about 45 seconds. Uh, And Vingegaard before the stage, he spoke about Jumbo Visma. The platform of choice is Zwift. They said, did you do have an off day yesterday? He's like, no. Nah. Still spun the legs, got on Zwift, and did some intervals as well. Benji, I think, has had a rest day from Zwift Racing today. Is that true? Or am I making Yeah, that exactly.
1: Up? I decided after four days that I don't want to get injured. So I'm like, <laughs> no, maybe no. it's a good Just idea. push through. <laughs> the thing is, I, I like doing stuff for content, and maybe doing X amount of days in a row for content would be great, the X amount of Zwift races in a row, but then I think, if I do this now, and I, I like actually like pull a muscle or something as a consequence of doing this, because I'm not prepared for this, then I might not be able to ride Zwift races for a month or two,
0: which is bad for content, and bad for these Zwift reads. So. And bad for you as well. <laughs> oh, yeah. So yeah, you probably did the right thing. Um, good thing listening to your body. But yeah, if you want to jump on Swift and get a free seven-day trial, you can go through the link down below, particularly in this variable weather. Benji, I think there's snow over his left sh- Is that snow over your you left that shoulder? Is
1: snow. That is snow. My girlfriend's in actually right on in Zwift March. at the moment. Yeah. This size of snow. Don't take this out of context. Someone screenshot yeah.
0: that, please. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, yeah, there's not much snow here anymore. I have to go up pretty high with Toby. But yeah. Zwift is your perfect companion at this time of year. Yumbo Visma, you know, you got to try. You have yep. to try. Um, the problem is they don't have the team for it here. And the team was really built to take time in the TTT and the crosswinds. And FOSS was the best climber uh, they have. But, and his FOSS pull was really, really good. Really, really impressive. The problem is this climb is very steady and there's a headwind. Now, the fact that it's steady is good for Foss because he's maybe like he's yeah. bigger than Vingegaard. He can put big power and steady power, long climb. And he was, he was doing a good job. The problem is he, he's, not, he's not putting other riders under pressure. Um, well, one of like, the- like, like a Pagaccio or even a yeah. godo.
1: Yeah, he did put Danny Martinez under pressure. That was weird. He was out with 12k to go, so goodbye, Any else plans, yeah. except for Civicop still sitting there. But um, I will say, however, when Foz became world champion, ITT, I think we had the discussion of what should his future be, and we discussed the possibility of him becoming a mountain domestique for a team of this stature, and he would be good at that on paper, in my personal opinion, on steady climbs. Now, he's also had moments where he's really bad on steady climbs, where he just drops in the first few kilometers, but he seems to be on a good level when it comes to this this year, I would say. He's never going to be the last Domestique based on the current level, but he can be the fourth last guy, maybe the third last guy, I would say, in a Grand Tour. But he's got his own priorities. He wants to be a GC rider, so I still go- see him going to X next year. But arguably, this role does fit him, right?
0: Of course. He, he's not the Koos, he's not the Kreuzweik either, he is the guy that sets the table. You have a 15, 16 kilometer long climb. You need someone to do about six, 6.1 watts per kilo. For the, for the first. Yeah, yeah. Kwiatkowski is a good example on Mont Ventoux in 2021. You need someone to set the table and do a long pull of five, six, seven kilometers. Now, they can't pull hard enough. They can drop all the other domestics which yep. is exactly what he did. He dropped all the other domestiques and he also dropped some GC leaders who underperformed like Martinez. They also bring back the breakaway like Javier Romo and Gerber Holson's. Javier Romo actually, Mate, I was, I I was really impressed. I told you to forget them. Come on. No, Keep Javier up. Romo, shout out to him. <laughs> ex triathlete, big unit. I was impressed. The problem is, and this is a problem I foresee for Jumbo in the tour potentially and maybe in the future is... There's no Sepp here. There's yep. no Richie Port of 2014 Sky. There's no Rafael Micah of UAE present to finish it off. Now it's again immaterial because Jonas is not as good as Pagacha here. Gian- Pagacha, yep. okay. In theory, on the longer climbs, when Jonas is in top shape, yes, I believe he is better than Pagacha. But based on what we saw in Loge de Gard is just in better shape. So on a 7% climb, it's and Jonas not on top shape, he's not going to beat Pogaccia here any time. Uh, the problem is, what if Jonas was on top shape here, Benji? Yeah. And you don't have a Koos bike to unlock it, and then basically Foss keeps pulling, no one's getting dropped, and eventually Jonas just kind of has to attack because Harper attacked.
1: Exactly, and that's what we discussed after the team time trial. They came here with a team so focused on the team time trial that it might endanger their climbing team because you don't have that last mountain of to launch someone. And Attila Walter in Gran Camino would have even been a potentially better option. Nah, even though his, dropped, his long, Yeah, his longer climbing in, in, in Pyrenees wasn't looking <laughs> that amazing either. So, in, in Tireno. Tireno my bad. yeah. On anyway, we're going into this final. We've got Fostil pacing with... Six point five ish kilometers to go, six kilometers to go,
0: and no Foss one, no one else is getting dropped, by the way. Exactly it's like visibly slowed.
1: Exactly. And I, think I got launches from the wheel of Foss when Foss stops his spool. Bogachar jumps into the wheel, but a panther crashes by the side of the road on the back of the Peloton at the same moment, but nothing Chris to Harper, do with each a, other.
0: Chris Harper, what? erasure.
1: Oh yeah, it, uh, <laughs> Harper attacked and then got back oh wow. <laughs> It's the second you know, time this week, but I, I, I like that he's happen. doing it. Yeah, but... yeah,
0: yeah. <laughs> poor guy. No, actually not poor guy. I, I like it. <laughs> but yeah, it. eventually you see, sorry to cut you off, Benji, but you you literally see Latour, you see the other GC riders coming out of single file to move up literally in the wind four wide, and you, you know the pace is really slowed, and there's only one other team with another rider, that's uh, Jayco. So, of course, Harper's going to attack. Yep. He does. And then Jonas is, this is the problem. And this is why the Tour de France, if you want to remember how important Grenon was and how that set the plate and the table for the rest of the Tour de France, whether you have to attack or not is so important when the difference is so small. Because the draft on a 7% climb is so important. And even though, as I said, went winning this stage before it even started doesn't matter, but you see here if you're attacking with Pagacha in your wheel on 7% yeah. after it's been paced at 5.8, 5.7 there's nothing you can do. He counters. Yeah. Instantly, he comes out of your wheel and
1: counters you. And the I got maybe wasn't expecting it, but also wasn't necessarily able to respond to it fully because he's instantly on a gap. Pogacar instantly has that gap Meanwhile, like I'm gonna stay on the wheel of Vingegaard a bit. He looked like he was still good enough, but he stayed on the wheel of Jonas. He was and smart. We've got this chasing game once again. The chasing game where Pogacar has a bit of a gap, and Vingegaard is trying to get back with God in the wheel. There were some other riders chasing in that group for a bit, but they dropped off a few seconds later anyway. So forget about them. And we've got this chasing game where it started getting a bit closer after widening up a bit. So I was
0: surprised
1: were that you he not got surprised? back together.
0: I thought when Pog counted, he was going yeah. to take a minute.
1: Yeah, but maybe Vingegaard didn't instantly respond and kept something. I don't know. Maybe it wasn't because he fully couldn't respond. Maybe it was because I know that I won't be able to respond, so I might as well write tempo right now and hope that I can crawl it back and then try again.
0: Like don't sprint across like he tried to do on Loge de Gard and blew yeah. himself up. Yeah bring it back slower with 6k's to go there's also probably an element of pagacha knowing okay it comes back together so what I win the sprint Yeah. so he didn't go over his limit either but I still was surprised actually it came back together I thought Pog was going to go away like in Pratititivo and then maybe someone else comes back like yeah. a Mater or a Yates uh, Godu and Viggaard eventually come back I thought Godu was going to counter immediately but he didn't which mm-hmm. surprised me actually but clever riding, eh using Vingegaard to get back to yeah, definitely.
1: And at, at that point, you're at the front of the race again. I've spoken in the, or we spoke both in the previous Mountaintop finish, Loge de Gard, about the fact that Godou had the perfect timing with his move at the end of that stage, or the, the attack that he did to get ahead so that yeah. Pogacar could bridge over to him. He, he uses Vingegaard cleverly, eats the plate of Vingegaard before he starts eating his own dinner, and then he's at the front in a group of three. Now, that's where the intrigue starts, eh? Because you're like... Hmm, what's gonna happen here? Is one of them going to attack again? Hog has to face. And...
0: Is the natural outcome. Do, does he know? I well, let's talk. Like I thought he would, if if he was actually had the bluff called because, and he said this afterwards. Pagacha attacked, and he also didn't want the group to come back. Look at Andalusia. Look at all the races. Pagacha races. He does not really like attack here, attack there, respond to this, respond to that chaos. When he feels the best, he will just attack and then ride tempo and stay ahead of it. He said in the interview I didn't want riders ahead of me. Yeah. And so he's six seconds ahead of Gudu on GC. Gudu has a buffer of 40 seconds on Jonas and Gudu did attack and he put Jonas on a gap. So he knows Jonas doesn't have it. He yeah. wasn't bluffing on Loge de Garde. I've dropped him whenever I've wanted. I've got him on 40 seconds on GC. I'm six seconds behind Pog, and the group is coming back behind, which, if you know about Pogaccia, he generally doesn't want that coming back. Yates attacking, whatever. And he just starts riding tempo, dropping Jonas with Pogaccia in his wheel. You rarely see second riding to keep third dropped when they're much closer to first on GC, especially when Gudu is not slow. He beat Van Aert in a sprint last year. In Critium de Dauphiné.
1: I will adapt, however, that I do feel like we skipped over the fact that Godou somewhat starts stopped attack in those pacing moments. A I couple of like times. There was a bit of a moment initially where Godou did go for a move, Pogaccio was in the wheel, Vingaga on a gap, and then he kept on pacing in the way that you described. For me, it looked like that, where he made a small move and then kept pacing. But at pace, I don't get that. In the same way that you are mentioning, there's no value in that for Godot to keep on pacing, because he knows if he goes to the finish line with Pogaccio in the wheel, he's going to get beaten on the line there if he uses his energy to pace. So, in my opinion, the scenario that Godú should use is, if you've got that gap, if Godú and Pogaccio are ahead, and Vingegaard is on a gap, you have to ask yourself, will I risk my second position a tiny bit? Not even that much, a tiny bit, by letting Jonas Vingegaard come back, and hope that he counters so that Pogachar has to clone down Jonas Vingegaard so i can use Pogachar's usage of energy to my benefit or is that too far fetched what
0: percentage chance is there that they suppress Vingegaard counters and Pogachar allows him to keep a gap and win the stage 1% 0% I was being like, generous. <laughs> to the point where Pagacha would have to crack and then Gudu could attack him or something. something would yep. have, to, have to have a mechanical. There is no chance Pagacha lets Vingegaard go up the road. So Vingegaard being there and you guys suplexing is to your advantage. Yep. So to force Pagacha to work and then, now listen, on Loza Guard, Pagacha pulled most of the time. He still beat him in the sprint. It's a shorter climb, though. Like, I'm not saying if Godou sits in the wheel, he's going to win the stage. But you're taking your chance of winning the stage, you're taking it from increasing it to zero. You're taking your chance of improving your GC position from a very, very small amount to zero. And the risk is very low because Vingegaard wasn't a threat. And what I really think the reason for this is, Benji, is all this DeMar bullshit. Yeah, I think he was like, I, I don't think I can beat Pog, and I do not want the group coming back, shit happening, and me losing second on GC. I want I'm happy with second to Pog, because second, with me and Pog going clear, me ha- pulling with Pog in the wheel, I look strong. That's a big statement for the tour.
1: I potentially agree there. And the thing is, there's one thing he needs to be careful of in such a situation, because if they do start suppressing in a situation like that, then there's a chance that Pogacar will attack the group instead of Vingiga. Because then attack might become the best defense for Pogachar, no? Yep. But awesome. anyway, we're going too much into But hypothesis. you're in the wheel of him. You have to stay in the yeah. wheel of pog and exactly. attacks. Exactly. Anyway, anyway, that's a lot of what-ifs. What happened in reality? Well, Godou kept pacing a tiny bit, but then he started slowing down a bit, right? Towards the end.
0: But it's the thing, you know, Rod Riders- they pace like that, and then they die. Like, Actually, I, I do want to go for the sprint. And then it gets to 700 <laughs> meters to go. It's like, well, it's too late now. It's like You've been pulling the whole time. And then Vingegaard comes back, sits in the wheels. Vingegaard attacks on the inside. Uh, Pogaccia jumps around the outside. Godu squeezed a little bit. He has to go to the left side of Vingegaard. He doesn't get Pogaccia's draft. Put on a gap. Pogaccia wins the stage easily. Two seconds ahead of Gudu. Six seconds ahead of Vingegaard. Simon Yates uh, we, we've kind of glossed over the group behind. Uh, we had, as you said, Perry Pancha crashing, which was very, very odd. Uh, Yates looked bad, but then came back, and he and Maider and Paulus, the riders that didn't respond initially to the Pagaccia move, yep. when he attacked at 6Ks to go and rode to power, they finished very well. Yates on 19, Paulus much better than on Loge de Garde, 24 seconds in fifth, Maeda 28 seconds, Bardet 30, still having voice cracks. Sivakov and Jorgensen on 38 seconds and Pierre de yep. Tour on 53.
1: And you're very right in that because the riders that did respond to that move were Jorgensen, Sivakov and Bardet. Yep. The three riders that were passed by Major Paulus and Yates afterwards. So pacing clearly mattered between those three and the other three. I will, however, go back to the, the finish for a second. Why was Godu with 200 meters to go, wiping his hands on his legs oh, yeah. without on a steer? At 200 meters to go, you know the sprint's going to launch. You know people are going to launch, right? Why are you doing that?
0: I don't know. I don't know, Benji. Why is no French rider ever won a world tour stage race? They were wiping their hands on their, on their bibs with 200 meters to go. It has the reason. Pino actually good in Torino. I think he's in the top 10 on GC. Um, that's a very good question, Benji. Um, I don't know. He should be on the wheel of Pagacha. It's so curious when, to me, and listen, Someone could tell me why it's not possible, but if you're not in the position in the wheel you want to be on, just stop. Yeah. Like you want to be on Pog's wheel, you don't want to be on the front. Literally, track stand, track, track stand, stand, and be aware that he can counter directly. Yeah, but don't just half pace and then Jonas goes the other way and you get completely fucked. Now he's not winning sprint anyway, but he doesn't get he doesn't lose two seconds. If he's not wiping his hands and he's in Pog's wheel, he's finished on yep. the same time in the draft. So he lost two seconds because of it. Uh, will that matter tomorrow? Who knows? GC Pog now 12 seconds ahead. Vingegaard on 58 seconds. He's got about 30 seconds off the podium to Yates, who finished well today. Fourth, Maeda then another 30 seconds to him on 159. Paulus moves up three spots to 220. He's two seconds ahead of Bardet. Jorgensen on 232. Sivakov on 308. Tour. 317 to round out the top ten. Tomorrow we have the famous knee stage. Very similar. I think it's the same one as last year. Very, very difficult. 118 K's. We have four. No, sorry. Three category two climbs, two category ones. The first three category twos are all six Ks at about six percent, let's say. There's very like almost no flat. Then they do the Cote de Pay, which we talked about in the Toronto podcast. That's where Wow um paced really hard with the group of Roglic, Martinez, Yates, and somebody else last year. That has, it's quite steep in a section, if I can see. Uh, it has a 9% uh, kilometre in it. That's a hard climb. Then it's a rolling descent, fair bit of road furniture, and tricky if wet, uh, around the La Turbie and Es. all familiar to the riders that live in Monaco and Nice. And then they do the cold airs from the hard side, which has a 12.2% kilometre. They go past some villas on a very narrow road before the descent into Nice where Simon Yates, he dropped, by the way, Roglic uh, on Caldez last year on that pinch. So it's a brilliant stage and is going to win. Yep. The end. So I think the real action will be in the middle of the top 10 in GC where we have... Bardet and Paulus. I really want to see how Paulus goes on a stage like this and also how Vingegaard and Jumbo Visma play it. Godou is well suited for this stage. Maida less so. This is a stage where Maida might struggle and I think uh, Jorgensen and Latour will be quite good. So it's still one worth tuning in for, but uh, I expect to see... UA really should have Groschartner and Co. locking this down.
1: I think so as well. Now, the thing with this competition here, Paranese versus Thiliano Adriatico, is that you don't have multiple riders of every single team in the top 10, which no. means that it's very difficult to go into the stage expecting rolling attacks on certain riders and so forth. So that's something that's a bit unfortunate, I think, for the outcome of this final stage, because tactically, there's not a whole lot possible, I think, tomorrow for these teams.
0: Because the you've Break. Got,
1: you've got a medium mountain stage. Hagen the break is a possibility, but you're looking at that Top 10, Haig in the break. How close is he when he comes to GZ? He's on four 11, minutes. 11, four minutes. Mm, I, I would guess so. I would guess Hague in the break or... Yeah, that's kind of it, eh? You can only go with Haig in the break, really, or Hague yeah. with a, an early move to try and get something out of that. Azizere is going to try and get in the top 10 with either Paredpanter or Berthe. If Panter doesn't crash, he's probably eleven in front of Haig, is my guess. Now, I think so. The La Cruz and so forth, probably will try and go in the break again. Kobo Horsens again. Vocalash should go in the breakaway. I'd like to see that. I'd like to see uh, Vocal in the break. I think he, he lost contact somewhere before the climb. Oh, yeah. And then had to get back and spend some energy that way. I don't know what happened there, but... He lost five minutes. That's bad, eh? But um, let's be honest. I wasn't sure about his long climbing so far. And he also the
0: big losers of today. Because yeah. Martinez fell completely out of GC. They were the ones who might have had a Martinez sivakov combination. And Civicov, yeah. no, sorry, Martinez last year, he flattered on the descent into Coldez and he could have won GC or helped Yates win GC.
1: Will those white balls still be there, be there in the descents? The, yeah. the ones that Roglic had to like. <laughs> it's, it's a
0: tricky descent into Coldez. Yeah. It's technical. So. I don't think it's going to... I just don't see... I don't see UAE blowing it up the yeah. same way tomorrow.
1: I don't expect tomorrow to be the legendary knee stage that we all are hoping for.
0: By playing it down. This is, all, this is all very deliberate.
1: Nah, I think it's going to be a pretty shit stage where
0: Pogacar wins. Probably, yeah. Uh, um, <laughs> are we doing too much? <laughs> well, the thing is, like, he's just on these 15-minute climbs in his home area that he knows like the back of his hand in dry conditions. Like <laughs> it's why. He's, yeah. It's, you know, yeah, he wins. He should win the stage tomorrow. Um, although gross dropped a little bit earlier than I expected today. So maybe the team won't be as strong and who knows? I mean, I'd like to see Jorgensen go for a solo. He's a big, he's also on home roads. Uh, I'd really like to see Jorgensen. If there's a bit of cat and mouse from a big group, Sort of Aronsman style on P. Ornal going ahead, and maybe maybe Pagatch is generous, but I uh, I very much doubt it because there's Volklang no gifts in this five. life. Ooh, yes, he vocal very good. Is Wellens still here? He didn't abandon. I uh, I saw him today. He's I here. think. Okay, well then I did see him today. I didn't know like which Welland's, it was anymore. <laughs> Wellens, Trenton, Groschartner is a novak is a really strong should team be good to enough. control this stage yeah yeah um yeah keen to see how it goes maybe break wins maybe Foss gets in the break i think Foss maybe. in the break could be decent maybe to do what yumbo did and we're like
1: well let's blow it up anyway just for fun
0: <laughs> maybe nah. but then pog still wins so. exactly <laughs> um,
1: so yeah it's fine forgot wins the end
0: all right that's the preview of paranese torino adriatico should be a sprint maybe we had all the fun on saturday instead uh, hope you enjoyed the podcast and we'll see the recaps of both of them tomorrow. Ciao